I feel in the sustainability portion of my podcast, we're talking about the ultimate goal of purchasing left, of purchasing less. Because unless you look at the purchasing and the consumerist part of your contribution to your household stuff, it's just an endless hamster wheel of buying and then decluttering it, then buying and decluttering it. So we really look at the amount of waste produced, our impact on the environment, and how we can be incremental in our sustainability efforts as well. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest this week is Stephanie Seferian of Mama Minimalist. Stephanie lives just outside of Boston with her husband and two daughters. She podcasts and blogs weekly about how the themes of minimalism, sustainability, decluttering, low-waste living, and parenting intersect. Her podcast, The Sustainable Minimalist, features eco-friendly tips and incremental strategies for cutting through clutter as a means to more fully enjoy life's sweetest moments. Welcome to Spark Joy, Stephanie. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. It sparks joy for us to talk minimalism with you today. I feel like minimalism is Kanmari's cousin. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we're all in the same family, so this should be fun. And how did you discover minimalism and the path uh, to simplifying your life? Or maybe we should even start with how you define minimalism. Well, um, the short answer is I define minimalism as removing anything that doesn't serve you or enhance your life. And I found minimalism after having kids and my life was just completely turned to chaos. Um, So that's the short answer. Kids will do that sometimes. (laughs) So what was your main challenge that you uh, experienced after having kids? How'd your life change? Well, my husband and I were living in downtown Boston in a tiny little apartment and it was it was a shoebox really but mm. it was phenomenal i didn't know how phenomenal at the time but i was able to clean our entire home in 90 minutes on a saturday morning and the rest of our weekends were spent living life and exploring and just enjoying each other and our home city but when my daughter came along and um you know, she had all this gear and stuff. (laughs) We thought, like many parents do, it's time to move to the suburbs. And, you know, we had the normal parent thoughts of, oh, well, when we have a yard, things will be better. Or when I finally have enough space to put my daughter's toys, we'll be more relaxed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But the opposite actually happened because when we moved to the burbs and we really quadrupled the size of our home. Um, we, it also started to take quadruple the amount of time to clean it and to maintain all the stuff because clutter is just like gas, really. It expands to fill its container. Mm-hmm. And um, so cleaning took all weekend. And I found myself overwhelmed and overworked and I had less time to enjoy life because I was so bogged down by stuff. 
Oh, that completely makes sense. And I can completely relate. It's, um, clutter is, uh, is like a vacuum. It's like no matter, no matter how big the space, uh, we tend to just fill it, you know, until, until you have that kind of, uh, that eye opening experience when you realize that this is like on a path going nowhere that you want to be. So yes. tell us a little bit about, the approach of incremental minimalism and how you have applied that particular concept to your life and to your home. So incremental minimalism is all about baby steps, right? A lot of the big names in minimalism have done drastic and very inspiring things. Some, you know, give away all their possessions and travel the world with a backpack mm-hmm. or, you know, they sell their big house and move their family into a tiny home. And while I find those stories inspiring and courageous, I just don't think that it's plausible and accessible for the average family because it's certainly not accessible for me and my family. Incremental minimalism is about reaping the same benefits of minimalism, like more free time and less responsibility and even less stress without feeling the need to do something drastic. So it's about meeting people wherever they are on their minimalist journey. And there's no right or wrong way to be a minimalist. It's just about encouraging anyone who's at all interested in simplifying to take one tiny step. And if it feels good, you take one more. Yeah, I like that idea of it being bite-sized in a mm-hmm. way uh, with your approach. Can you give an example of of an incremental step? Sure. So instead of, um, you know, purging your closet and bearing it down to, you know, a capsule, you just take out the items that no longer fit or no lo- you no longer feel joy wearing. Um, so... Instead of doing a whole closet purge, you you look item at item instead. It's a little bit like uh, tackling the low-hanging fruit first. So as you go through your closet, the first step would be to take out those things that you know for sure aren't working for you, the things that are easy to let go of, and then kind of take that as your first step toward, toward a, a more thorough um, kind of investigation at the heart of things. So it sounds right. as though you're starting with some of the things that might be a little easier, a little more obvious, and then working up. Right. Because I think a lot of times doing, you know, the drastic option is stress inducing for many people. Um, but the incremental side of just doing a little bit when you're ready, a tiny step, takes takes the anxiety out of big life changes. I, sure. I definitely agree. And we find that in our own work. Uh, sometimes we will meet clients and explain, you know, this is kind of a batch approach with Kanmari being you know, that whole big confronting your clutter moment. Um, it, it's more of a batch approach than a bite size approach. And that's not necessarily a fit for everyone. We've mm-hmm. mentioned that on other episodes uh, on this podcast. So we're happy to have you here to explore kind of a different approach to getting mm-hmm. to the same point, right? We're all working towards the same thing, just a simpler way of living. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong way to simplify. 
On Mama Minimalist, you break down your approach into three separate directions. There's the aesthetic, there's the experiential, and then there's the sustainable. Can you tell us a little bit about each one of those? Sure. Um, so the aesthetic portion is all about the attractiveness of minimalism. Um, decluttering your home and your living space leads to a cleaner, more pleasant place to spend your days, right? So the aesthetic portion is about creating breathing room in your home so that you're at a place of peace and not a place that creates stress and anxiety. The experiential piece of minimalism that I love to blog and podcast about is about getting out and getting living because I've found in my own life that having less stuff means that there's less to clean and less to organize and less to manage. So I have more time to do the things I actually love to do with my family. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of one of those uh, experiences or how your lifestyle has kind of shifted since you chose the more simple path? Sure. So um, before I felt whenever I spent time with my two daughters, there was always a um, a silent voice in the back of my head telling me, well, if I spend quality time with them now, I'm not going to get to do chores X, Y, and Z that I'm supposed to be doing. So although I was sitting on the floor playing with them, my, part of my mind and essentially my physical self wasn't with them because I was worried about all the other chores and all the other responsibilities I had to do, like get dinner on the table or fold the laundry, et cetera, et cetera. But I found that through minimizing, um, there's less laundry to do because I've minimized the amount of clothes we have, or there's less to clean because there's less stuff to dust. Um, So I find that by getting rid of the excess and the stuff that's just holding me down and holding me back, I have more time to truly be with my children in ways that um, just is happiness for me Mm -hmm. and them. What about the sustainability part of the sustainable? So I find that sustainability, Sustainability and minimalism go hand in hand because if you're interested in minimalism for decluttering and minimizing, (laughs) um, a natural consequence of that is to look at the amount of waste that you produce, minimizing your impact on the environment. I feel in the sustainability portion of my podcast, we're talking about the ultimate goal of purchasing left, of purchasing less, because unless you look at the purchasing and the consumerist part of your contribution to your household stuff, it's just an endless hamster wheel of buying and then decluttering it, then buying and decluttering it. So we really look at the amount of waste produced, our impact on the environment, and how we can be incremental in our sustainability efforts as well. I think that's a really important piece that's often kind of overlooked or overshadowed by kind of the physical act of decluttering because I, I well, I've been toying with it a lot lately or just thinking about how my buying habits have, can have an effect on the environment and my mm-hmm. own environmental footprint, um, just 
finally got to a point where really managing what I buy from Amazon is I'm realizing every single thing I buy like comes into these like separate boxes, for example. And I'm sure, you know, it's plastic or cardboard that might be able to be recycled, but it just seems so wasteful because they're coming from different vendors. So they're all like individual items, um, individually packaged. So I finally got to a point where I'm like, I need to stop I just need to stop. I need to stop shopping. <laughs> I need to stop buying as frequently. And I feel like I can do my little bit of a part um, in you know, just stopping those resources from just the endless cycle, the hamster wheel, as you mentioned. Right. Um, the, pr- the problem with Amazon is that it's so convenient to purchase. And um, it's important, I think, to really look at our purchasing habits and decide whether we actually need so-and-so item. Because if we don't, we're really just adding to the clutter that we're seeking to get rid of. Sure. Yeah. I've even waited 48 hours. Whenever I put something in my cart, I don't immediately buy it anymore. I definitely turn off any instant buy features and I wait at least 48 hours to really determine if I truly need that item. Right. I think that's a really great approach. And for me, I think the aesthetic concept is the one that that initially drew me toward living a simpler life because I just so love the the, the clean um, open and just visually beautiful idea of minimalism mm. so I think that that's probably one of the things that drew me in first I, I, I would like to think that the sustainability did as well because I you know especially as a Conroy consultant we're, we're very concerned with making sure that the things that we dispose of are it's you know that it's done in a in a very respectful and 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 green way um, so I become much more aware of that and you know that kind of comes and goes. I notice sometimes that it doesn't take long at all for just my husband and I to fill up a medium-sized trash can with, uh, you know, the packaging from various things throughout the day. And it does feel like an incredible waste. Um, I think the, um, the experiential part of it came last for me and was more unexpected. You know, I didn't really realize that that would be kind of a side benefit or how important um, experiences would co- become for me as opposed to the material things. So it all definitely plays together, and I really think it's a great way of of looking at those three separate kind of three separate sides to the same to the same um, dice or coin or whatever, um, because I just can see exactly how they're all related. Thank you. Yeah. And also being as immersed in Kanmari land as Karen and I are, (laughs) we are well aware of the challenges of being clutter free with kids. Having two young daughters yourself, you focus on the challenges of being a minimalist mom. Were you a minimalist before you had your daughters or uh, how has that changed since you became a mom? Um, I would say I was a minimalist without really knowing it. Before kids, because Mm -hmm. again, um, I think I said this earlier that our apartment was so small, it really dictated the amount of stuff we could have. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if it didn't fit, we didn't, we couldn't keep it. We had no storage for, for instance, we had no basement, we had no garage. So we just couldn't keep excess stuff. Um, so I, I suppose we were minimalists, but we didn't become conscious minimalists until after we moved. And after we had the kids with 
their gear and their stuff. And um, we started to really take a good hard look at our items and decide whether they were serving us or whether they weren't. And how long did it take you to complete that process? You mentioned earlier incremental steps. I'm assuming you applied that that to your own decluttering? Yes. And to be honest, it's still a process. It's, um, I, I don't know if, if for anyone it's ever complete. I think mm-hmm. um, being a minimalist and decluttering, um, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So um, it's been three years for me and, and counting. Awesome. Very interesting. So how old are your daughters now? My oldest will be four tomorrow, and um, my youngest is one. Oh, so they are very young. So it's so interesting. I, I'm I'm wondering what is what are some of the most difficult aspects of having kids, especially kids that young and living in a minimalist home. Do you find it's hard to it's hard to keep things down to a level that you feel comfortable with, as far as all of the equipment and all of the things that go along with having such young children. Um, yes. Uh, the hardest piece of minimalism and kids by far is gifts because Uh. kids get gifts just for being cute, right? Of course they get them around the holidays and birthdays, but they get them, you know, at obscure times like 4th of July, (laughs) there are presents for that holiday Mm. now, or, you know, for, they get presents from relatives that they haven't seen in a while. And, you know, I have one mel- well-meaning relative in particular that gives both of my daughters a stuffed animal every single time she sees them. And she sees them a lot. <laughs> so staying on top of all these gifts is a full-time job. Um, but I tackle the gifts like I tackle any other item that wants to come into my home. And I tackle it as though I'm the gatekeeper. So I determine what comes in and what stays. And my daughters are thankfully young enough that they've just fallen right in line with that. I love that term, gatekeeper. It's all about (laughs) (laughs) being really mindful about what's entering, what's crossing the threshold, what's coming in, what's coming out. Like you said, it really is a lifelong process. You finish your main decluttering, but then you always have to continue to be conscious of what's coming in and out. That's the way to maintain that lifestyle. It sounds like you've 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 been able to um, integrate that into your kind of day to day. Do you have any other favorite tips, tidying tips for parents who are interested in living more sustainably or simple life? Well, I have so many tips. Um, I can just <laughs> say one tip that has really changed the way I view laundry. I take one day a week to tackle all the laundry and we have a lot of laundry. So it's a full day job to, it usually comes to about five loads on a Friday. I wash all the laundry and then on Saturday I fold it all and put it away. And it's, it might sound overwhelming to do it all at once, but it saves me from doing a load a day. So Mm. it used to be the, the constant chore, the never ending chore that I was you know, I could never catch up. I was always playing catch up. And now it's a, it's a, it it has its place in my week and um, it seems much more tackleable. 
That's very interesting because you use kind of the process of doing things incrementally to get to a level of minimalism that was comfortable for your family. And then you had the freedom to kind of batch something that you spread out, you know, throughout the week. And if it was spread out throughout the week, it would really stress you out. Uh, So that's really interesting how you made that transition. (laughs) It is actually. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes batch is great. Sometimes bite size is great. Just depends, I guess, on the task and your tolerance for whatever it is. (laughs) But yeah, that's great. One full day, one wash day. Great tip. That certainly sounds like a challenge. What are some of the the easiest parts of being a minimalist mom? Well, the the easiest and definitely the most fun part of being a minimalist mom is the fact that we emphasize experiences over stuff as a family. So my husband and I have gotten in the habit of putting aside the money we would have spent on, you know, a a whole cartload of holiday gifts or the money we would have spent on the gigantic Easter basket um, and instead using that money to take a family trip or go on a family experience. And we explained this to my oldest daughter ahead of time. Last Christmas, we told her she was going to get few gifts, but instead we were going to take a family trip. And she was all for it. It went over stellarly. So it's definitely a benefit of being a minimalist mom, for sure. I'm curious. Also, we were on the topic of of gifts and toys and holiday related items. How do you manage toys? As you mentioned, as the gatekeeper, do you have any recommendations for moms who are struggling with just toy management? I know that's a really big deal. So the first suggestion I would have would be to have frank and honest and open, but also polite conversations with the gift givers um, in your children's lives and really encourage experience gifts. So instead of toys, uh, suggest tickets to the zoo or the aquarium, whatever, you know, places you have near you, or even a magazine subscription or a cooking lesson. Um, Gifts don't have to be toys. Now, if there are members in your family who just prefer to give gifts, I know I have a lot of those members in um, my family, I suggest being prepared with a short list of items that you know your child will love that aren't junk for when they do ask for what could, you know, little Susie want for her birthday. Um, Because otherwise, it just becomes a free-for-all of stuff that your kids don't want and frankly won't appreciate. What I like about that tip right there is that it really gives parents the power And I feel like when we receive gifts, whether we're adults or we're receiving gifts for our children, we feel like uh, guilty about letting go. And it almost gives the gift giver more power than the gift receiver, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't think was the gift giver's intention. So I like that this idea of really emphasizing experiences over things, even at a young level, you know, or, you know, helping grandparents, friends, family understand that that's your priority. I mean, sets a great tone and a great example. 
Yes, thank you. Your recent blog post discusses getting rid of the hard stuff, which you mentioned includes pens and cell phones. My clients have a really hard time letting go of these things. I had one client who actually had kind of a a collection of electronics over time. So we started with the big cell phone that used to be in the car that was like only for emergencies, right? the big <laughs> chunky plastic one. We went through the age of pagers and then we evolved to the smartphone. <laughs> so she really had this legacy of electronics that we laid out and they really meant something to her and it was tough for her to let them go. So I'm curious on what are some of your thoughts are about how to tackle the really sentimental things and even maybe the small things, why that's important to consider cell phones or or pens, things that seem kind of insignificant. Well, in the case of pens and cell phones, they're both important to let go of responsibly and sustainably, and, and sustainably because for pens, they're plastic, right? So, um, Nobody ever really thinks about throwing pens away once they run out of ink. If they Mm -hmm. don't work, they get tossed. Same with markers and highlighters. But pens are really just a disposable item made of plastic. And when you throw it out, all that plastic is going straight to the landfill. And many people aren't aware of the fact that those old pens can can very easily be donated to companies that will recycle them. So it's about decluttering in a thoughtful and responsible way. And the same with cell phones too. Um, We live in a society where we upgrade our cell phones every three to five years, and there's no evidence that that's going to change. So how many cell phones is that over a lifetime? It's very many. Millions, billions. <laughs> so we're destined to be constant consumers of technology. And it, although it's hard to get rid of them, there's really no sense in holding on to uh, archaic technology. Um, but as with all electronics... Cell phones can't just be put in the trash because it's devastating for our environment. There's chemicals that will leach out into the landfill, and I won't get into the science behind it, but they have to be discarded properly. So they can either be recycled or donated. And I have, and a lot of people are, um, nervous about doing so because they think their personal information is on the phone. They, They don't want identity theft. But as long as the phone is wiped clean beforehand, um, it is a smart choice to either donate or recycle, but never throw in the trash. Do you have any favorite resources in terms of recycling cell phones? Or I've seen some um, apps out there or programs where you can send in your cell phone and they'll even give you money back for a wiped cell phone Do you have any favorites? Well, um, if you're just looking to get rid of them, you can go into your cell phone carrier store, um, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint. Most stores will have a bin in their their store. They all partner with a charity and the donated cell phones will be repurposed for and the money given to the charity. There's also one that I really love. It's called Cell Phones for Soldiers. 
they take your old cell phone, they will repurpose it and send it abroad so that um, soldiers have, can be in constant communication with their families back home. Oh, that's great. We will definitely link those resources and a link to your blog in our show notes. Thank you. Those are great resources. And I, I really did like the list, but I had to cringe a little bit because one of the items that you mentioned is um, wedding dresses. And I have a great, big, enormous, huge wedding dress. It probably weighs 75 pounds <laughs> in a box in a storage locker. This dress, um, I love this dress. It was the happiest day of my life. The dress is beautiful. It looked amazing. But seriously, no one no in no person in my life is ever going to wear this dress again and it is so hard for me to even think of getting rid of do you have any i know you had some great um suggestions on what to do with old wedding dresses but do you have any suggestions for people like me who are really struggling with just the the idea of letting go of such a sentimental item yes i have some ideas um but first let me just say that I have my wedding dress too. Oh, good. <laughs> and I completely understand what you're going through. Like my dress doesn't fit anymore. It's out of style. It takes up a ton of space, but I can't even consider getting rid of it. So if you are considering getting rid of yours, the problem with wedding dresses is that if they're over five years old, most places don't even want it because of fast fashion, right? Sure. Styles go out of style so quickly um, nobody wants, you know, a 50 year old wedding dress. Let's right. say they want a new dress. So if your dress is under five years old, you can donate it to breast cancer for brides, or there's a bunch of charities that will happily take it and give you, um, a tax, dedu a tax deductible receipt. But if it's older than five years, uh, your your best bet is to contact your local thrift store and see if they will take it. Because many do. So if not, get sewing. <laughs> there you go. Eventually, I would like to think about doing something like that. But it is at this point, I think it's beyond um, my ability to do. So I'm really glad to hear that you also have that same struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for talking minimalism with us today and helping us work through our issues around letting certain things go. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we benefit as much uh, from these conversations as our listeners do. And we're all working towards the same goal, just simplifying our lives, focusing on experiences and the things that matter. So before we let you go, we just want to ask you a couple more questions. At this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? That's easy. It's the simple and often overlooked moments with my daughters and husband. Mm, beautiful. That's the best. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for us? Yes. Just take one small step towards simplification. Just one small step. And if it feels right, take one more. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. We, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Stephanie. To connect with Stephanie and her blog, visit mamaminimalist.com. That's M-A-M-A-M-I-N-I-M-A-L-I-S-T.com. On 
Instagram as well. She's at Mama Minimalist. Her podcast, The Sustainable Minimalist, is available on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Stephanie also has a free Facebook group for minimalists interested in being more eco-friendly as they declutter. It's also named The Sustainable Minimalist. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the SparkJoy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey, of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago, and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.